Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. So Jesus gives us all the equal opportunity to follow him. Um, through preaching the gospel, through everything that's been done in the world, he, he has presented an equal opportunity to all of us. It's whether we take it or not. It's as if he has allowed us to be signed to his team. I'm going to run with this baseball thing, and I just want you to know I was on a baseball team for three years in like middle school, and we lost every game. So the metaphors won't be perfect, and I have no prior experience in baseball, and I don't know if I ever hit a ball at, <laughs> while I was in it. Okay, so um, it's as if he's like drafting you to the team. And I want you to see this because Jesus chose you. You didn't choose him first. This is in John chapter 15, verse 16. This is Jesus talking. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. He's saying, I chose you. And once you accept that, once you have faith and believe in that, you're going to use that faith to produce something to impact the world, to influence the world around you with love and with grace and with peace. And the world around you should be changing. 1 John chapter 4 says this is love, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I'll get to the atoning sacrifice part later. But on this team where he's given you the signed papers saying you can, you can be drafted, you can be on my team, He's also given you your glove and your bat, and he's given you your uniform. And now you have to decide what you're going to do with those resources. Those are our gifts in life. Those are our talents, our abilities, our influences. What are we going to do with those things, and how are we going to use it? And at the end of it all, he's going to ask you what you did with those things. And tonight, if you hear anything at all, if you remember anything at all, if you take any note, this is what I want you to hear. Hit or miss... Jesus is calling you to swing. Hit or miss, Jesus is calling you to swing. Whether you hit the ball or whether you don't, Jesus is asking you to swing. The worst thing you could do is nothing at all. The worst thing you could do is not swing. And hear me, I'm going to say this multiple times because I don't want you to get it twisted. Swinging doesn't save you. Faith saves you. Putting your faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ is what saves you. But with that faith, you begin to take a swing at things. And tonight I'm going to be talking about taking a swing. And I want you to see it both ways. I want you swinging for the fences on loving people. But I also want you swinging at the trunk of the tree of the sin in your life. I want you to see both sides of that as we move through this. And one of the things I think that, that trips us up when we're trying to figure out the next step with Jesus is the fear of failure. I have a deep fear of failure. I know some of you in the room do as well. Um, it's rooted in a lot of insecurity, but it's also rooted in self-righteousness where I don't want to be seen as a failure. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm not perfect even though I'm not fooling anybody. Um, that's the root of a lot of fear of failure. And when this, I was just reminded recently of a time that this was brought up in my life and it's when I was trying to get my CDL. That's the commercial driver's license that allows me to drive a bus for Connect. Shout out for Connect kids. Woo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a few of you in here tonight. A few of you in here tonight. I love it. All right, so going, yeah, <laughs> repping. Um, so going to, to take this test, they hand you a book that's about this thick, and it is the most boring book about buses you have ever imagined in your life. But I'm one of those people that's like, okay, I got to read the whole thing. 
I've got to know everything in this. So I, so I started digging through this book. It's the most boring book in the world about stuff that I think doesn't really matter, but I need to know anyways. And I go online, and I find the flashcards. I find the practice tests. All the, I know there's people in here that's like, that's how I study for every test. Um, and I go, and I find the flashcards, and I do all this stuff. And I actually found the walk-around test. Someone had YouTubed it, and so I played it on two times speed in the background while I was doing other work. <laughs> like, that's how I was prepare, preparing for the CDL test, because I knew it was going to be hard. But it took someone who's kind of pushy, Josh Sykes, coming into my office and saying, you've got to just go fail. You've got to just go down there, take the test, fail it, figure out what they want from you, and then go pass it. See, I don't lose any points. It's not like school. I can go down there and I can fail, and then I can just take it again the next day. It doesn't matter. And so I finally go down there, and, and I'm very insecure about this, and I sit down at the little iPad or whatever, and I start to take the test. I bomb it. I, get, I seriously get like five questions right out of 25. It was awful. But that failure, that miss, got me closer to my pass, my hit, where I finally hit something. And then the driving test was the same thing. Finally passed the written test. Driving test comes up. I was so worried about like all the space I had because the bus is a pretty big vehicle. I'm worried about the cars that are next to me. Didn't look up. And I ran a railroad track. Automatic fail. Boom. Done. I was literally three blocks away from where the test started. And I had to drive the bus back, hang my head, and just walk home in shame. You know? but, like, but here's the thing. I totally deserved to fail. And that's fine. But that fail got me closer to the win. It got me closer to the home run where I actually passed. And, I'd, and like, I haven't missed the crossing since. You know? like I, that fail helped me pay attention to the things that I wasn't good at. And I think a lot of us, especially in faith, when we're dealing with people, the failure that we're always worried about is rejection, right? When it looks like um, if you've been here longer than two weeks, you know that we are a Jesus-centered community that's all about being love unlimited to the world around us. This isn't a club that uh, should stay in these walls. You should be inviting friends and you should be changing your schools by the way you love people. But I think the thing that gets uh, messed up in that is, is how we get afraid of failure in rejection, and when you play that fear out, really, the scenario looks like this. Well, if I go sit with the unpopular kid, the popular crowd's going to leave, and then I've got to walk through the hallways, and God forbid I have to walk through the hallways with this person, so I'm not going to do it. But what you do in that moment is you don't even swing, right? You are afraid of failure, afraid of rejection, so you stepped up to the plate, but you didn't swing. Or you look at different situations in your life where you see a bully. You see a bully bullying a kid. And you say you stand up for kids and you're going to be one of those good kids. But you see it happening and you just go like this. If I get involved there, I'm next. And you walk away. It doesn't matter if you're wearing the uniform. It doesn't matter if you're wearing even an element t-shirt. You didn't swing. You didn't swing. Out of fear of rejection. Out of fear of failure. And I get that. But I want to rewire that tonight. And in the last 70 years, if you've lived on this planet and you've heard a motivational speech, you've heard about Babe Ruth. He is one of the top uh, honoraries of baseball history. Someone could spout out all the stats and all these different things, but he has uh, filled the plaques of the, of the Hall of Fame, all this other stuff. He is known as the salt in the swat, the king of crash, because he hit so many home runs. What did he also, uh, what was he also known for? How many times he struck out? How many times he struck out? At the end of his career, he had hit 714 home runs. 
he had also struck out 1,330 times. That was almost double the amount of home runs he had. And people like kind of made fun of him for this, but this was always what he said. He was quipped back and he said, every time I strike, every time I get a strike, it's closer to a hit. And every time I strike out, it's closer to a home run. And I want you to internalize that tonight because see, for Babe Ruth in, in this scenario, the worst thing wasn't missing. The worst thing was not swinging at all. And I think that is the worst thing that can happen with our faith. Is not that we miss sometimes or we hit sometimes or we, or we, or we make contact sometimes with, with, the, with the goal, right? Really, the fail is when we don't swing at all. That's when we see our faith not in action. And like Josh said, the best baseball players of all time hit the ball three out of ten times. And so when I'm asking you tonight to take a swing, I'm not asking you to be perfect. Let's take that approach. Just to cure the anxiety, the weight off your shoulders, if you could hit out of, out of three out of ten times that you step up to the plate and you actually swing with your faith, I would say you're doing pretty good. Keep trying, keep working at it. But I want you to see also that there's grace that's following you every time you miss and every time you mess up. It's the grace of Jesus Christ that follows you through that. So I think the only real solution to the fear of failure that we have, the fear of missing, is found in completely redefining what success and failure is in the kingdom of God. I want to reteach that to you tonight. And this, this is Jesus' words. This is his story he told. This is written by an author by the name of Luke. He was a doctor in the time, and he, he fact-checked. He, he checked his sources. He double-checked, and he made sure he wrote down Jesus' life as a record. And this is a, a story that he recorded of Jesus telling. And when we read this tonight, I'm going to read the white letters, and you're going to read the blue letters out loud. And I'll kind of help guide you through that, but we're going to read through this together. While they were listening to this, he went to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Quick note, he was on the way to his crucifixion. So he had done all these ministry things. He had raised the dead. He had done all these miracles. And this is the point where he is heading towards the cross. He knows he's going to be crucified, but he also knows he's going to be raised from the dead. He's a king going to get his crown. He said... A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. I want you to pay attention to that. That's Jesus using a metaphor to explain himself. A man of noble birth, the son of God, going to declare himself king, that he would save the world and rise from the dead, victory over death. He would be king of all. He's talking about himself in this parable. So he called the 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus. It's a, it's a unit of, of currency. It's money. It's like three to six months of wages. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent him a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. This was the Pharisees who didn't like that Jesus was giving this idea of the kingdom of God to people who didn't deserve it, people like you and me. And so they wanted to kill him so that they could stay in power. And that's eventually what happened. They created so much drama that he ended up being crucified. So he's also kind of talking about them and the future relationship he's going to have with them. He was made king, however, and returned home. Okay, you cannot stop the kingdom of God, and you cannot stop the will of God. 
Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came back and said, Sir, your mina has earned you ten more. Well done, my good servant. His master replied, Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your your mina has earned you five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you, this is the servant still talking, because you are a hard man, you see. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. Because here's what was happening. He was, he was claiming that this master was not trustworthy and why would he help him anyways? And he said, listen to me. You think that's the way I am? You're gonna judge my character like that? He said, you knew, did you, that I'm a hard man? Is that what you're saying? Taking out what I didn't put in and reaping what I didn't sow? Is that what you're trying to say? Why then didn't you put your money on deposit so I can come back and I could have collected it with interest saying, why didn't you give your goods to someone else then? Maybe someone else could have used it. Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Basically saying, those people who wanted me killed, they're going to meet their end as well. So this is a metaphor of a story of what Jesus is talking about, success and failure in the kingdom of God. That's what I want you to see here tonight. So here are a few notes from this. What is success in the kingdom of God? You see that in the first two servants. The difference, you see that they, one had ten minas more and one had five minas more, half as much, but both were celebrated. Both were, were good, done, good, good job, faithful servant, you've done well. Why? Because they swung. Because they stepped up to the plate and they took a swing at it. And you, and you know, like as any investment goes, they didn't get 100%. They probably had a plenty of misses. They probably had a ton of mess ups. But that was the ending story. And they believed that their master had grace and peace and, and had love for them, so they weren't afraid of messing up. They just went ahead and took the risk. But what do you see in the third servant? The failure in this story is that there was no swing at all. In the commentaries that I read about uh, this third servant, it was often said that he would have approached, the, like the, in the translation and the context of this situation, he was approaching his master basically with the bat on his shoulder, with a bag in his hand going, why would I help you? You'd never help me. And besides, you're supposed to be this scary guy in the sky. You're supposed to be powerful overall. Why don't you do it? That was the heart issue that he was putting back. And that's why, that's why the master says, you wicked servant. Why have you doubted me? Here's what you see. That third servant had no loyalty to his master, but also no trust. There was no faith that, that, that his master would come back and he would have failed, but even if he did fail, that the master would still employ him and still love him and all these other things. But instead he just said, nah, I'm out. You deal with your own stuff. 
The failure is that he didn't even swing. And here's how this applies to you in here tonight. A lot of you show up, but a lot of you leave here and never swing. Just because this guy was in the group, just because he had the uniform, just because he had a ball, a bat, and a glove, doesn't mean that he ever did anything with it. And so in the end, the first and second servant weren't afraid of failing because they understood that they had faith in their master, saying he's a generous and loving and graceful God. And I'm not afraid of making failures, but I am going to do the work that he's given me to do. But in the end, in the third servant, he, was, he gave nothing. He didn't trust with anything, so he was given nothing, and he was trusted with nothing. What does that look like in your life? I want you to see that, like I said before, swinging does not save you. But swinging shows that you have faith, and that faith saves you. Faith in everything that's going on there. I want you to see that the kingdom and success is hitting like three out of ten times. And I had this experience. It was just yesterday. I was feeling ill in the afternoon, and I... um, one of the hardest things I have to do in my job is do hospital visits. I would say that's one out of, like, top five hardest things that I have to do. And we basically get a name and a room number, and we have no idea what we're walking into. It's, it could be you're walking into a room where someone's just got a, a bad cough, a flu, a bronchitis or something like that, and they're healing. Great. Other times you walk into a room, and someone's in the middle of dying or they have dementia and they have no idea who you are. But I'm supposed to bring love and truth and grace and find where God's working in their story. It gives me a lot of anxiety and it's hard. It's really hard. And I kind of put that off yesterday. I was like, well, I'm sick. I don't want to get them sick. Like, but really, I just didn't want to go to the hospital. But at the end of the day, it was about 4.45. Um, dinner was at 5. Um, But I called my wife and I said, I got to go because I'm convicted in my heart that I'm just avoiding this. And so I go to the hospital and um, I go to the fourth floor and I go to the first room on my list and uh, the room's empty. And I go to the nurse and, and she says, the woman's already gone home. And I thought, oh, praise God. But that was a miss because I put it off way too long and I didn't get to pray with that person. Who knows what that conversation would have been like? I don't know. I don't know. I go to the second person on my list, and usually at about 5 o'clock, they start eating dinner, and the nurses come do checks, and so they was in the middle of something. Another miss. Complete miss. Then I go to the third room. There's a woman who I can tell is in a ton of pain. Super weak. I don't think she understands the situation because of all the pain meds she's on. Uh... But I held her hand and I prayed with her. And I walked away. And I hit the button to go down in the elevator. And I thought, this is why I had to do this. Is because you guys needed to hear that I miss all the time. I'm trying to swing. And I still miss. I don't hit it every time. But I got to my car and I thought the worst thing that could have happened today is if I didn't swing at all. 
the worst thing that could have happened if I just walked up to the plate, saw the need at hand, and then just walked away. Those are the kind of things you think at night before you fall asleep, you know? So I'm still learning this too. But if we could focus on hitting just three times out of 10, (laughs) hit or miss to swing away. Hit or miss to take a swing at living in faith and not in fear. Hit or miss taking a swing at actually doing something with the faith that saves us. Hit or miss, maybe you're gonna make the decision tonight to finally take a swing at ending looking at porn. Maybe you're gonna take a swing at that. Maybe tonight you're finally gonna take a swing at stopping being the drama gossip central, the eye-rolling, disrespectful, people torn apart person. Maybe you're gonna take a swing at that. Maybe you're gonna take a swing at being respectful in your home for the first time in a year. I don't know. I don't know what you have to swing at. But here's the worst thing that could happen is if you didn't swing at all. In the kingdom of God, success is hit or miss. Jesus is calling you to swing. In the kingdom of God, failure is that you didn't swing at all. How can we trust God? How can we trust our master just like the first and second servant did? That they trust that he had grace and and love, that even if they messed up, they'd be fine. Look no further than the cross. Where Jesus, an innocent savior of the world, chose to take your place in the hell that you deserved by being disobedient and sinful on this planet. And he said, I will pay the price that they have to, that Parker has to. And I will hang on that cross and get ripped to shreds and I'll die for him. And on the other side of that, I'll rise from the dead to show that I'm the king of all of that and all of it's been wiped away. See, this parable about a king going to get his crown and coming back is all about Jesus, and it's all about us. Jesus went to the cross. He got his crown of thorns, showing that sin was laid on his shoulders. He paid for it all, and he sits at the right hand of God. And one day he's going to come back to bring us home to heaven, and the pain will be no more. But while he's gone, we are his servants, and he's given us gifts. And out of the faith that saves us, we can have the courage, knowing the grace and love and peace of Jesus Christ to swing, even when we miss. But the worst thing we could do is not swing at all. Would you pray with me? Jesus, whatever these students are afraid of, I pray that you would show them that it's nothing compared to you. I pray that they start to think of the things that they need to swing at the things that are bringing death to their life spiritually, emotionally. I pray that you would also see and help them see the things they need to swing at and go for the fences, whether it's inviting friends, whether it's being loving in their schools during a hard time, whether it's being respectful to their parents or their guardians. I pray that you would start to lay on their hearts these things. I want you to think about who is at your home plate. I want you to think about what thing is on your home plate 
where you need to start swinging. Hit or miss to start swinging because the worst thing you could do is nothing at all. And all I'm saying is like three out of 10. Three out of 10, you hit. Maybe you need to swing at the unhealthy habit of dating people. Maybe you need to swing at the never-ending hunt for porn after your parents go to bed. Maybe you need to start swinging at the fact that you've never invited a friend to church. You've never reached out to lost people. Maybe you need to start swinging and using your talents and your influences to love people instead of building your own little kingdom. Maybe you need to start swinging that when you see bullying, that you're actually going to step up to the plate and swing and stand up for those who need defense. Hit or miss, he is asking you to swing. Hit or miss, swing away. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about what your home plate is. Who is it? Where is it? What is it? The worst thing you could do is nothing at all. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.